Welcome to this week's episode of the Blank Page to Bestseller podcast. I am your host, Peter Wheatmartian, and I am joined this week with Colleen and KZ. We are deep in the middle of holiday season, and we want to give you a quick update on what our holiday schedule is moving forward. To enjoy the holidays this year, we are taking off December 26th and January 2nd, so we only have three more shows left for the year. But don't worry, we will be back on January 9th with our first episode of the 2024 year, so we hope that you enjoy the rest of this year, and we look forward to sharing more information about writing, editing, publishing, marketing, and all that goes into the Blank Page to Bestseller podcast in 2024. For this week's episode, we have our Biz Buzz segment where myself... Colleen and KZ talk about an intro to marketing, little tips and ideas on how you can begin marketing your book, whether you've started or you're just about to release. Then in the second segment, I talk with Ellen Siegel about her book, Be Happy No Matter What, her publishing journey, and just a little bit about herself and her journey through life. We hope you enjoy this week's episode, and don't forget to like and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. And on this week's Biz Buzz segment, I am joined by KZ and Colleen, and we are going to talk a little bit about the importance of marketing when it comes to writing and publishing your book. So this week, we're going to just go over some very, very, very high level things about marketing and why it is important for you to market your book. We say that you should market your book before you even begin writing. However, if you haven't started marketing yet, it's never too late to start. So I want to turn it over to, um, I'm going to go to KZ first and just uh, ask her, what is uh, why is marketing so important when it comes to writing and publishing a book? Thanks, Peter. You know, it's interesting because for most writers, the marketing is not intuitive. It's not something that comes easily. So it's part of the job that we have to look at early because we we tend to put it off because we don't want to do it. It's important because if you if your goal is to write a book and have it be read by other people, you have to have those people know that you wrote it. Now, writing is a solitary, uh, it really is a solitary. And it, there's no other way to say that is writing is what is you sitting down, putting your thoughts on on paper, so to speak. And it's up to you also to take the time and put together what message you need to put out so that people will want to read what you're writing. That's so, so important. Um, I know Colleen and me were talking with a gentleman a few years ago, uh, and he thought that all he needed to do to market his book was to put it on Amazon. He thought, oh, my book's on Amazon, so that means everyone's going to be able to find it and see it and know about it and read it. And lo and behold, no one read his book and he was really confused as to why anyone would want to write a book 
and put it on Amazon. Well, we had to, you know, gently remind him that it doesn't matter if you just put it out there for sale, if nobody knows what is um, what your book's about or that you even have a book, no one's going to want to be able to read it. That's absolutely true. And the thing is, we say this often, your book is a business, so treat it as a business. And that's exactly, that's a perfect example of why we say this. You must create a marketing plan. You must start that marketing plan early, possibly before you write, but certainly while you're still writing your first draft. And you must implement that plan before you publish. That's so true. I'm going to turn it over to Colleen here. And um, I want to to ask her, um, when it comes to the the marketing side of things, what are some ways that an author might be able to market their book and let other people know about it? Well, that's a great question, Peter. And since we're talking high level, we can go into some of these in more depth at a later show. But we are talking about Amazon. We uh, An author central Amazon page is essential for people to set up and put together for marketing their book. Press releases are a great way to get people excited about your book uh, throughout the process. An author website, even if it's a landing page, telling people about their book or any speaking engagements they might have. Those are three of the top ways that, uh, for marketing uh, that I think of. Um, there's always the social media, but those three ways are top, top of mind for me when it goes to telling people about starting to market their book. What about you, KZ? What do you think? Yeah, I agree with all of those. And let me add one. I think that, and this is perhaps one of the more difficult steps for many authors to take, but very important. I think it's create a list. You know, you're writing a book. You want people to begin to read it. You want them to like it. If they like it, you want them to leave a review so others will be encouraged to read the book. <laughs> and you want to stay in touch with the people who are reading your book. So one of the one of the key components of your marketing campaign will be to learn about how to create mailing lists and how to manage the networking and and associated with uh, managing a mailing list and build fans. You got to build fans. That's great. And you know what else I just thought of when you said build the list is finding testimonials or reviews for your book. So yes. people can can compliment the book, uh, put that information out there. Those are great marketing tips for your book. Yes, absolutely agree. And I do want to add one other way to promote yourself and your book is doing what we're doing right now and hop on a podcast with someone. You know, there are so many different podcasts out there that you can be a guest on uh, to spread the word about you and your book. Uh, you know, if you're an author who is a, a fiction writer, there are plenty of fiction uh podcast. If you are a nonfiction writer, there are probably as many podcasts out there for each individual topic that you can think of. So, you know, there's plenty of ways to reach your reader before your book is ready to be on sale so that they're excited and want to go and buy your book. Um, I think that the, um, the most important thing that authors can do, or maybe not important, but one of the uh, the ways that you can tell that your marketing is really working is how can you reach the most people with doing the least amount of work? 
you know, you, we, we <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think of it like this. I mean, if you have, let's just say we're talking about mailing lists, let's just say you have a hundred or 200 people on your mailing list. That's great that you can go and reach those people with a, an email, but Hey, if you spend 30 minutes and you hop on a podcast with a, um, with a host or a show that has, you know, thousands of listeners, I don't know. It's probably going to be a little more fruitful than just sending out uh, an email to the same hundred people that you have on your list. Absolutely. That's great. Excuse me, Candy. That's great, Peter. And you know what? When you're talking about the podcasts, that's how we teach people to make their book their business also, because you can use your book as a tool for your speaking engagements and people find out about you there. These are great tips. Yeah, that, that's that's great. You know, I think that um, once you are an author, you become a speaker and the two kind of feed off of each other. So the more you write, the more speaking engagements you get and the more speaking engagements you get, the more people know about you and your book and you want to tend to write more to reach those audiences uh, in different ways. So they can really be it, it's a really um, it's like a symbiotic relationship between being an author and being a speaker. I think they're they're really actually not two separate things i think they're pretty conjoined as a as a a a field of work if you will now um you know i I know we've talked and covered some very high level things today but um i didn't know if there was um any um let me ask let me ask this uh to both uh kz and colleen what would be your number one tip for marketing a book. I'm going to turn it over to KZ first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Peter, I just don't, I think probably, I think that the number one tip, I really, I really don't have a number one tip. The importance of marketing is too much, is too critical to say just one. Mm. It is a, it is creating a plan. I guess if I had to nail it down to one, it would be make a plan. Be be deliberate, be professional, and learn what goes into it. And don't get boiled down into the details. Stay high level, get mm-hmm. your plan, and enact it so that it, it works for you. That that's really great. Um I I really I really agree with making a plan and making that be your number one um tip. Uh Colleen, do you have a, a tip that you would like to share with our listeners probably going on what candy and you just said but putting yourself out there what authors can't be afraid to put themselves out there and just spread the word and however that works for you through your marketing plan through a podcast through your website whatever it is but just not being afraid to put yourself out there and share that story so it will benefit others Oh, that's great. Yeah. You know, I think the the one thing that I would uh, I would say is is really get to know your reader. You know, you can't just um, you know, it's important to like Casey said, make a plan. And Colleen said to put yourself out there. But you also um, you can kind of combine the two of those and make sure that you're putting yourself out there to the people that actually want to read your book and not just spouting off words to no one who's listening. So, um, you know, those are, those are some great tips. I want to thank both of you for joining 
me today on the on the uh the biz buzz segment um and we will be back next week with another biz buzz This week's episode of the Blank Page to Bestseller podcast is brought to you by us at The Author's Voice, and specifically our new collaboration book titled The Right Way, Conversations with Publishing Pros. Leave your mark on publishing's future stars and watch The Right Way become the go-to guide for writing blockbuster books. Don't miss this opportunity to inspire the icons of tomorrow. Learn more about The Right Way, Conversations with Publishing Pros, on our website, theauthorsvoice.org forward slash the right way. That's the right, W-R-I-T-E way. Once again, that's theauthorsvoice.org forward slash the right way. Spaces are limited, so please be sure to apply to be a contributor in The Right Way, Conversations with Publishing Pros today. Do you have questions about how you can become a contributor to The Right Way? Visit our website, theauthorsvoice.org forward slash the right way and ask us today, or please reach out to us through email, info at theauthorsvoice.org. We are very excited to welcome one of uh, Colleen and I's uh, greatest or longest friends in the business, uh, Ellen Siegel. Uh, we've known Ellen for, uh, you know, eight or nine years, almost 10 years now. Um, and it's been a great uh, <laughs> friendship and a great collaboration we've had with her. And we're excited to have her on the podcast today. So uh, let me give you just a little bit about who Ellen is. So Ellen is known as a life solution strategist. And uh, when you are open to releasing a mindset of victim consciousness, Ellen possesses a unique ability to teach you how to use your feelings as a resource rather than an obstacle. Uh, Without realizing it, many people subconsciously become stuck in their personal growth because they continue to replay negative messages they have received. And this causes people to see themselves as a victim in their present adult life. What's important to remember is as an adult, unless you are living in an uncontrollable situation, you are not a victim. As an adult, only you give other permit others permission to do so. They cannot abuse you, use you, or take advantage of you. Ellen helps you become aware of and untangle the negative elements in play and teaches positive strategies so you enjoy a satisfied and happy life no matter what challenges are thrown your way. And that's actually a great little segue into her two books that she wrote. Uh, Her first book is Be Happy No Matter What, Five Steps to Inner Freedom. And her second book is Handling Your Own Emotions. Now, Ellen, I do have a question for you. You do have a new workbook out. Is that correct? That's correct. And, And Peter, thank you so much for having me today. I love doing anything with you guys. So this is really fun for me. So yeah, I do have a study guide. Um, anybody's watching besides listening, and uh, 
it doesn't follow the book exactly, but it follows your process as you go through the Be Happy No Matter What book. So it's um, uh, sort of an easy um, support. Well, that's great. I, I love having uh, extra parts of the book that people can go back to later or maybe through it through a second time and, you know, learn a little bit more about themselves as they, you know, rework through the book. And um, yeah. that's a, a great tool. I, I'm glad that uh, to see that you've been able to, uh, you know, expand on that. Now, can you just tell us a little bit or tell our listeners a little bit about what uh, Be Happy No Matter What is and what? why did you decide to write that book? Mm. Well, uh, I'll tell you how it came about over the years. So I've been uh, either a psychotherapist, a social worker since a very long time, very long time. And over years and years, 30 years, 35 years, whatever, I collected index cards of thoughts that um, stood out to me that I found myself sharing with other people. So I don't know how many index cards I had. And about every five years, I'd look at these cards and I'd say, these cards are a book. And I'd lay them out on the floor and I could not see how they were gonna come together. And then I think it was like in the 15th year, I laid these cards out and I went, wait a minute, this goes with this. It was like a little game of complicated concentration. Remember that old matching card game? I just matched up these cards and into, and this is a great guide. I mean, because I've helped people with writing also is how, you know, you start with an outline and then each outline is like a little tree branch and then it's got sections under it and, you know, things like that. Well, all these cards just, fell right into place that I could see. And uh, that's how it came together. And um, uh, to more specifically answer the question, what it is, I think of it as worth five years. And it only has like 40,000 words. That's not a lot of words for a book. Um, it's like worth the old fashioned five years of good talk therapy. And I mean good talk therapy, where you're really making strides and you're sorting out um, what happened to you in your early life without judgment as lessons. And, uh, you know, there's lots of self-help books and things out there, but this takes you through. It's like a walking tour of how to look at your early life. Um it's like uh, somebody said in one of the reviews that uh, the approach is like a tour guide of your inner self. You go, oh, look at that. And look at that in a very, very coordinated and open and self-appreciative way, which really is great since many of us have grown up in one way or another judging ourselves for things that we do or think or don't do, whatever. So that's the long answer, but. <laughs> no, that, that's great. You know, I think it, it is really important for, you know, you as an adult, as, you know, one, a listener might, you know, look back on their childhood and kind of have you and, you know, the book be happy no matter what, kind of as a, a guide for them to kind of discover 
because I think a lot about um, what we are as adults comes from who we were as children and you know if you don't have that guide post and that guide like you or the book with you you know you can go into some really dark places if you don't have you know that that support as you go through that and um i just want to jump on that term guide uh that really it also the book and the energy of it directs you to recognize that you have that guide in your awareness consciousness that most of us overlook. It gives us directions all day long. And I'm going to say, quote, good directions. And so once your attention is turned to that and you discover that that's a reliable source inside of you. And you don't have to name what that is. It's just your wise inner self that that's inside of you. And so, you know, once you digest this material, you're off and running and you have the tools that you can use to um, clear your path as you move through life. That's really great. You know, I read uh, the book a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I was doing some uh, some discovery of myself as well when I went through it. And one of the things that I think is probably the most poignant or the thing that stuck out to me most was I really liked your uh, the way you described how we are kind of our own main characters in our own life and you know we're not you know the main character in other people's lives and other people are not the main character in our lives can you talk a little bit about that just so because i think that's such a great a great way to to describe it well one of the things that's come up uh since this book came out and that is that people have said to me well you know what i was trained you know to be a selfless servant and take care of other people, which is a great, which is a great later goal, because very often we do that at the expense of our own well-being without, even if we got that training with someone saying to us, and treat yourself equally and as highly as you treat other people. So this book takes us a step back, this material, to to be able to see things from a healthy perspective of a person who is self-centered. And, you know, I was criticized as a kid for being, you know, you're so self-centered. Well, if you have any experience with kids, you know that they are Mm self-centered and they better be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was criticized by somebody close to me. Um, This is so great. Somebody I really want, a relative, I really want to have a relationship with. And they said to me, you know, Ellen, it's always all about you. And I could see that. And I said to them, I said, and I really hope that your perspective and your life is all about you. And um, I think, you know, they got taken back a little bit. And the, the thing about being criticized that 
you know, your life is all about you usually comes from the other person wanting you to do something and you don't want to do it. So someone else in their disappointment and upset can blame you for not doing what they want you to do. And that's a separate thing from selfless service. And it was another notion. It didn't come out in this book, but I remembered having this thought. And there'll be people who disagree with me about this. Healthy narcissism leads to brotherly love. And, you know, brotherly love, that's sort of a religious kind of an idea. But it's like when we take care of ourselves, then we're able to take care of someone else, like on an airplane where you do your oxygen mask first, and then you're in good shape to help others. So, you know, that's what comes to me to say about that. No, I, I think that's a great perspective, and it's a perspective that you don't always hear or see. Um, just because you kind of brought it up here at the end, you know, I, I know a lot of people when they hurt, hear the word narcissist or narcissism, you know, it's a, it's a pretty, it's got some negative connotation around mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just kind of talk a little bit about, uh, you know, maybe some of the positive sides to well, what, nar- what you mean by narcissism? Yeah, so that's why I put healthy with that, because you don't usually hear the term healthy with the term narcissism. So it's like, um, how do I explain this? It's like, um, there are some people who think that um, all businesses are exploitive and that's not true. So you wanna stay, it doesn't mean stay away from business or business development. Yes, you might wanna stay away from exploiting either being exploited uh, or exploiting someone else. And so narcissism, it's like, what could it, healthy self-care. It's like I was criticized by one of my parents as being selfish. Well, there's self-full, there's self-conscious, um, You know, and people come to me to recover themselves, you know, because usually as kids, we grow up um, in certain of us um, looking for approval from our parents because it feels good. Yay, you did a great job or, you know, help mommy or come help daddy or whoever your caretakers are. And then we get used to that. And uh, all of a sudden, we don't like disappointing someone. We have trouble saying no because we're afraid that, you know, because we lived off of the faces of our caretakers. So, you know, when they were happy with us, they were smiling. When they were unhappy with us, it was scary. They didn't look so good. Uh, And if they had loud sounds and, you know, and I'm not even talking about people who had parents who had addictions and who were abusive. I'm talking about those of us who had, you know, good parents, Mm -hmm. you know, who meant well, who, you know, did their best and loved us. And, And even in those situations, we can get sort of trained by 
circumstances to seek approval and avoid disapproval. And when that's your MO as an adult, oh my God, your true self, your natural self is subsumed under there, you know, and I'm just gonna, that's one way depression piled up resentment. I had a teacher who said, and I'm not minimizing depression and people who get diagnosed and who need medication, that's a whole other story. In the simplest way, uh, a teacher uh, said to us as a group, depression, press down feelings. And you just keep pressing them down since you're a kid because it's not um, politically correct or you're going to get disappointment from your parents. Oh, you're crying again or you have nothing to cry about or I'll give you something to cry about or, you know, whatever a parent's disapproving remarks would be. A child just learns how to take care of themselves by pressing down their feelings. And then later, all those feelings pile up. And someday you wake up as an adult and you go, oh, I feel like <laughs> I've got an anxiety. Um, I feel I'm walking around miserable. And, you know, so the Be Happy No Matter What book gently, gently and lovingly takes you back to undo some of that. Because now as an adult, you've awakened and um, you can recover yourself. Yeah, so kind of what I, I picked up a little bit there is I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this book is kind of a little bit about how you as an adult can learn how to better express your own emotions. I would say that's true. Um, and letting go of judgment about it. Because lots of times people feel, oh, there's something wrong with me that I feel mad or, you know, so many things hurt me. Um, you know, what's wrong with me? Um, and then once you get that level, of, that layer of judgment on top of it, it really keeps you from expressing. Mm -hmm. And also uh, when, when you do get to a feeling to express it, you could feel very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And this was a great awakening for me when a teacher said to me, oh, you don't know, Ellen. Openness, which you love, Ellen, and you want, well, that's what vulnerability is. And I was like, Boing. right? Because right. here I'm avoiding being vulnerable by protecting myself and being a good girl and saying the right things and everything and feeling terrible. Um, and that, that notion of win-win, um, you can use that with communication because all of this does flow into, um, so how can I, once you know your feelings and are okay with them, because each one of us is as worthwhile as the next person, it doesn't matter that someone's doing more things than you are or less things. In terms of intrinsic value, we're all equal. Yes, we have unique qualities and contribute different things. Um, you know, it's like an orange is not better than an apple. They're both fruits and they provide different flavors and different colors and 
things like that. So we're more like fruit and we're all of equal value. Once you get to lift the judgment that you have of yourself and recognize that you're equal, then it's like, well, how can I communicate these things? I'm entitled to say I'm hurt. And this is an old communication skill. I don't know, from 30, 40 years ago. It's like when you canceled your appointment with me at the last minute for the 10th time, I felt disregarded, mm -hmm. unimportant. Like I'm not really your friend. And the other person may not even know that you had feelings because you so graciously said, oh, it's okay. You know, we'll get together another time. I mean, that's a simple example. It, it comes out to there's a way to say something that honors yourself and is kind to the other person. Now, they may still not like it. They may take it the wrong way. And boy, I've had examples like that. It's, to my mind, it's worth it to go ahead and learn how to do that because it's of value for you to express yourself. Sure. If somebody gets bent out of shape, you can always say, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. What did I say? You know, that hurt, you know, and then now you've had your, you've hit your ball into the ballpark. Now it's time to hear what happened for the other person. Sometimes they have language to respond and sometimes they don't, which takes you into another area, which is expectations. Hmm. So you want to take care of yourself. You want to be expressive and you want to have realistic expectations. So you want to look forward to an open conversation and leave space for the other person to not have grown in that area yet. I think that's really important because, you know, like we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, they are their own main character in their own story. So they have to, you know, they may not be at the same place in the story as you are. And I oh. think that is great to have that expectation or set yourself up for that expectation of just maybe not being on the same level as the other person you're communicating with. But it doesn't mean that you or them are any way, shape or form less than the other person. But, you know, just having that growth because we all grow at different stages different levels different speeds and that's great mm -hmm. to have that um mm -hmm. set yourself up for that expectation before you go go into something that may be a little bit challenging or a lot challenging or a lot challenging anything <laughs> <laughs> you're encouraging yourself to take a step into um as your next step of growth you know, to be aware that the others are all in a different place or a different focus. I mean, when you think about, yes, we may all have the same feelings, but when you think about, I believe that it's, there's an infinite possibility mm. of the ways all the different feelings are configured in each one of us. So we're the same in certain respects and then infinitely different. And um, I'm a big fan of, now not, not a lot of people like this, 
uh, I people in my life would say, well, they use a word. And I'll say, well, tell me what you mean by that word. And they may expect, you know, like, well, everyone knows what um, friendship is. Mm -hmm. I say, well, what do you mean by friendship? Well, what do you mean? What do I mean by friendship? You know, we're friends and, you know, of course, I'm going to do things for you and you're going to do things for me. And not a, there are nuances of difference. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so much fun. Um, I have a friend who's um, entering a new relationship right now with and, and they're older and um, they knew each other earlier in their lives and they're both very tentative about getting together again. And so, and my friend is familiar with this material because she teaches it to, and it it's, um, resonates with her and did even before we became friends. And so, so they're going about this relationship asking each other what each word means because mm. they both want the relationship to work that's really neat you know and they both know that they don't know what they're going to encounter you know i think that's a great way to learn about other people too you know i i want to say um just going back about 10 years or so when I was in high school, uh, this just your story kind of reminded me of this. One of my friends uh, became an Eagle Scout and, you know, at his final Eagle Scout court of honor where he got his, you know, badges and, you know, finally was this day of celebration. He kind of gave a little speech. Um, and one of the things that came up during that was, um, there's something like 50 different definitions of the word run. And wow. so, you, you know, it just shows you that there's a lot of different ways that people can interpret the same word. Now, I'm just thinking, for example, you, you run like the physical act of running or there's the act of like running for an office or, you know, there's like th there's just mm. a lot of different versions of what run actually means. Mm. You know, there's a run in your pants, you know, if you have like a, a seam mm. that runs or, you know, mm -hmm. a stream runs down the hill, you know, there's a lot mm. of different ways of to use mm. that word. And I think that that really shows with what you're saying is that we may be using the same words or we may be expecting the other person to use the same definition of the words that we have but mm -hmm. um, there really is a nuance and you know it's I think words and language that's what's really neat about them is because they're really informed by each of our own experience mm. you know each mm. each one of us and that's what's neat about writing I think is that you can you know the same words are all used by different writers but they all mean different things mm. when you get them out on the page and I think that's really neat to kind of learn because you learn I think a lot about who the writer is and you, if you know more about the writer you can kind of infer different things depending upon how how they grew up if you, you know or what their mm -hmm. life experiences mm -hmm. are so mm -hmm. I think that's you know it's great to have that kind of um uh that you know the similarity between you know the the writing portion and then just kind of learning about yourself and learning about others as well mm. so i think that's really mm. great wow that and the word run 
for many of us is not an emotionally charged word. Mm -hmm. So imagine the free for all. Well, and there's a lot going on in our world at any time. It's this is not mm -hmm. new what's going on in our world right now, whether it's politically or short-sightedly or insightfully, that um, you know, there's many emotionally charged words. Mm -hmm. So it can be a free-for-all unless you, this is great thought, um, when you're starting a new relationship, to start it on the basis of we don't even know that the words we use have similar meanings. So as we start the relationship, let's compare notes about what we're saying to each other and what it means to the other person. I mean, that would really be an open, you know, leaving less to chance. You know, some people like chance. That's okay. Uh, it's just that... Um, relationships have uh, lots of emotional charge in them because we bring with us all our emotional charge from our life up to a certain point. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What's interesting, um, the other day I had a conversation with somebody who's in a culture where um, marriages are arranged. And this is somebody living in America, a man who's about 29. And um, he, he himself is looking to find a woman, a female, uh, to partner with in his life. And he said, because he's working at home, you know, long distance, not going to an office, not really seeing too many people, that he's... Um, at a disadvantage and he's sort of a, a shy person so he's not going out to meet people he doesn't live in a city where you know everybody goes out you know on the weekends and things like that so he's called his parents he said listen find me a girl he said I'm going to count on my parents and so I was sitting next to a woman from his culture she's modern American she was like what you're going to go for an arranged marriage? And he said, well, yeah, because, you know, we'll have similar background and meanings of things. And oh, it's just really, he says, it's too much work, he said. So he was a very wise person who's measuring how much work. He doesn't want to do extra work. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and wow. for someone else, it's an adventure, you know, to meet somebody very different. Right. So uh, it's very interesting. Um, did you have something else you wanted to say about all that? Well, no, I just, I think the um, one one other thing that I, I kind of, that comes to mind is, you know, I, I try to, you know, I don't want to say I'm philosophically minded per se, but one of the fun things that I do um, enjoy about philosophy is just kind of different ways that people um, experience the world. And one of my favorite things is I was actually listening to another podcast, uh, maybe two or three weeks ago, that has a philosophical, um, you know, background. And one of the things they were talking about is, you know, there are some people who uh, question whether or not we all see the same color. 
you know, it, it like the the color blue to one of uh, to us. I mean, right. we're both wearing blue shirts right now, but we could be perceiving the color differently than each one of us perceives it. But it, it's the, the, just the name of the color that we right. know as to be blue, but the colors themselves may look different. And I thought, and that's kind of um, wow. an interesting thought experiment. You know, like, are you seeing? are you experiencing the same as the person sitting next to you or um, is your mind mm. coloring, if you might, <laughs> coloring your experience, you know, and using, uh, using it to, uh, you know, give you a slightly different experience than someone in the same position as you. So I think that's really important. So um, I, I am on a quest even though I've made a lot of tracks already on being the most aware I can be, whatever that means. Some people call it highest conscious. I don't know. For me, it's being aware. So we've all had this experience, those of us who are driving cars, that we're on our way somewhere and we arrive at our destination and we really go, wait a minute, how did I get here so fast? Okay, because we were like sort of in a driving hypnotic state and uh, that particular ride, we didn't notice the trees. We didn't notice the miles or maybe we had something else on our mind. So in the in this openness to be as aware as possible. So it's an ever unfolding, expanding awareness that I assume I cannot go wrong by assuming that bias that you talked about. Mm -hmm. Okay, and it's not judgmental. It's just like my I want to assume that my perception is different from the next person. I want to err on on that on the side of um, awareness that you know in looking for more awareness. So when I meet someone, I do my best, even if I know them, because it's very common that when you've grown up with someone or you have a partner and everything, that because you know them so well, that you don't give them the benefit of seeing them as new each time, because we're all growing every moment. And I'm not the same person I was when we got on this call. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, so if our minds could be coloring our perception of the colors that we're wearing, the perception of the smile on the other person's face, and and it would be great to have more than one experience at one time. Like, oh, that smile—it's so it reminds you—it's bringing up a feeling, and I wonder what it means at that moment for them. And it doesn't mean you go into it, but it's like it gives you more lenses to see through at one time. Um, That's really great. I like the I like that um, that use mm -hmm. like the le different lenses to see mm -hmm. the other person or experience mm -hmm. what you're experiencing. Yeah. Aren't there aren't there animals? I don't know whether it's lizards, what where. You know, they see mm -hmm. almost kaleidoscope, like, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. where they get to see different things. 
Um, yeah, that's, that's really neat. So, that, you know, that's a really great conversation that we've had so far, Ellen. I was just kind of wondering if you had anything uh, that you'd like to share that we haven't really been able to discuss yet. Oh, this is great because two points come to mind. That part about being the main focus on a stage, that we're in many ensemble casts. And one stage we're playing this part. Uh, another state, it's like right now when we're on together, I'm the star and your view is you're the star, okay? And and I get to be a supportive actor. You get to be a supportive actor at one time. And this, this sort of breaks any negative bias due to limiting perceptions as we're as we go through our days. Um, the other thing I wanted to, and, and also I have made a lot of fun out of that. I've made a lot of fun out of thinking of myself as an actor on different stages. Like yesterday I played granny in the story of our grandson. Today I'm, play, I'm playing this part, you know, later, I'm going to go play counselor in a session. Then I'm going to play advocate in another session, whatever it is. I really am enjoying that. And that's when you think about what kinds of things could make you happy. Those of you who are listening, really pay attention to what kinds of things could make you happy and then see how they can unfold in your life. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say was about communication. Um, I haven't seen these words anywhere. They occur to me as useful. Strategic, nurturing, communication. So when you're talking, it's like strategic means deliberate. It means what's a good purpose for this? Because someone said to me, oh, well, that sounds like it's manipulative. No, it's conscious. And nurturing, my mother used to say, Alan, I must not have been very nice as a kid. She used to say, Alan, it costs nothing to be nice. Guess what? It costs nothing to be nice and kind. And that enables another person to, to feel open, if they can, to something you're communicating. That's great. Thank you for also sharing your own definition on those words, going back to what we talked about just a couple minutes ago. Hopefully that helps our listeners here kind of understand your perspective of these, mm -hmm. of how we're approaching mm -hmm. this. Oh, really one great. more thing. And oh, Shakespeare yeah. said it years and years ago, the world is a stage and all the people mm -hmm. are the players. So that's not an original idea. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> That's great. Uh, you know, Ellen, I do want to thank you for, you know, spending your time with us today here on the podcast. And, um, you know, it's been a great pleasure to speak with you. Um, you know, if you could just, you know, do you have anywhere um, that our listeners can find you or maybe uh, find your books? Definitely. So uh, the books are on Amazon. Um, and the uh, They're all on Amazon. The three books, uh, Be Happy No Matter What, Five Steps to Freedom and its Study Guide and the Handling Your Own Emotions 
pocket guide, which is great. When you're in a tight spot, you run to the restroom, you pull out the book and you go, oh, there it is. So, um, <laughs> and uh, the study guide is also available at uh, the website, behappynomatterwhat.com. And uh, there you can uh, purchase it and download uh, the color copy. Um, and uh, so there's that. Um, and then you could reach me at ellen at behappynomatterwhat.com. And certainly any questions about the books and uh, coaching. I mean, I can coach you through... Uh, it's like I like to work with people who are interested in overcoming any emotional obstacles in this lifetime. There's still time. So love to help you with that. Well, that is really great. Again, thank you uh, once more for spending your uh, afternoon talking with me. Um, for our listeners, I will have links to all of Ellen's books in our show notes. So be sure to check out uh, the notes there and give you direct links to all of that. And uh, again, thank you, Ellen, so much. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Great. Thanks, Peter. It was great. podcast is a production of The Author's Voice. I have been your host, Peter Wheatmartian, and I want to thank KZ and Colleen for joining me on this episode to discuss all things writing, publishing, and speaking. Do you have questions about today's topic or would like to be a guest on a future episode? You can learn more about The Author's Voice on our website, theauthorsvoice.org, or send our team an email at info at theauthorsvoice.org. You can stay in touch with Candy, Colleen, and Peter through The Author's Voice on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Links to all of those can be found in the show notes. If you have enjoyed the episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review on the podcast app of your choice. Also, please help us spread the word about the Blank Page to Bestseller podcast by sharing the episode on your social media or by introducing a friend, a colleague, an author, or anyone who would enjoy the discussion to the show.